Welcome to the RYR Endurance Team Podcast. We are grateful that you've chosen to tune in and listen. If you are a runner, aspiring runner, triathlete, or aspiring triathlete, you are in the right place. We love sharing what we know about these sports. If you like what you hear, you can always learn more by contacting us at ryrcoach at gmail.com or by visiting our website, ryrenduranceteam.com. Hey, if you enjoy our podcast, please do us a favor. Give us a five-star review and subscribe to our podcast. This helps others find us. Thanks for listening. Good evening, Paula. Good evening, Mr. Roberts. How are you today? Well, my day got better. It got off to a rocky start. I'm sorry to hear that. (laughs) It's our secret, but you know, I'm taking violin lessons. Yes, I know you're taking violin lessons. (laughs) I didn't know it was a secret. So I'd say probably the majority of my friends don't know uh, fiddle around. That's a good joke. (laughs) You're really good at it. Well, I don't think my teacher agrees. (laughs) Back before your birthday... I started on a piece in Suzuki Book 3. I'm still on that piece. (laughs) I am so tired of that piece, but I got to thinking about it later today. It really doesn't matter which piece I'm working on. If I'm patient and consistent and do what my teacher asks, then I'm going to get better, even if I am extremely tired of humoresque. I was thinking the same thing. Patience and consistency. <laughs> I thought you were going to say you were tired of listening to Humoresque. I don't know which song is which. It's Humoresque. But sometimes you'll practice and then I'll be humming songs the rest of the day. <laughs> I'm sorry about that. <laughs> but I was thinking when you were talking about that, oftentimes we'll prescribe to our athletes, you know, long, slow distance, building that base. And it's the same thing with your violin playing. The teacher, the coach has a plan and you're working your way through the plan. You're trusting that she knows what she's doing. Our athletes are trusting we know what we're doing. And there's some parallels. And she does a great job and she's very complimentary. So this is in no way, in any way, putting down my violin instructor. She's excellent. Yeah. But I would like to go to the next piece sometime this year. Someday. (laughs) We'll set that as a goal. That's right. (laughs) Anyway, I have a topic for today. So I was just thinking about the Lego movie and the song in that Lego movie. I love that movie. I'm not a huge fan of that movie, but it was all right. But there's a song in there, Everything is Awesome. And at the beginning of the movie, everything really wasn't awesome, but they were kind of going through the motions and singing everything was awesome. But, you know, things were just going smoothly. And honestly... They were just being complacent. And I got to thinking, I think in general, it's human nature to be more complacent when things are going well. I just don't know what you wouldn't like about that movie, though. You got all these cute little cartoon Lego characters, and that's an awesome song. (laughs) Just think of some of the words of that song. Everything is awesome. Everything is cool when you're part of a team. Everything is awesome. When you're living out a dream. I mean, how positive is that? Okay, but can you actually sing what this song sounds like? I'd prefer not to. Okay. (laughs) It gets (laughs) annoying after a while in that movie. I think it's catchy. Okay. So there's another part of that song when you just got to like. It says, 
I feel more awesome than an awesome possum. Dip my body in chocolate frosting. Three years later, wash off the frosting. Smelling like a blossom. Everything is awesome. Just wash that frosted off and smell like a blossom. Well, you know you just like it because it has the word possum in it. <laughs> it's a cute song. Okay. We'll agree to disagree on the cuteness of that song. I bet my friend Kelly Powers probably doesn't like that song either because when she was running a marathon trying to BQ, this was before she had reached the goal of Boston qualifying. She was getting really tired around mile 22 and I just, every time I got near, I started singing that song and <laughs> I mean she smiles even when she's in pain so she she humored me but I'm sure it was annoying we'll have to ask her if she likes that song annoying in a good way <laughs> she knew you cared yeah so other than the song all I really remember is Will Ferrell at the end playing with Legos and I believe the whole point of the movie was that a dad wanted to glue all the Legos together and the boy wanted to be able to take them apart and play with them. I'm not sure when I saw the movie, I really understood that was what was going on until the very end. But in hindsight, thinking about the uh, the glue and the cap on the glue. and <laughs> Anyway, it's a cute movie. I don't know. I mean, I don't know if the movie even had an underlying deep meaning to it, but I just kind of walked away from it back then because we took our nephews to see it. Nieces. Our nieces? Yeah. Okay. I guess it was Rebecca and Hannah. Yeah. Okay. So mm-hmm. we took our nieces to see it. For some reason, I was thinking we took Lucas, but... No. Okay. That's okay. But I just walked away from that movie thinking, okay, in the beginning, they were just being complacent, singing this Everything is Awesome song, when really, underlying, things were fixing to go poorly. Mm-hmm. So this definitely embodies how human nature works. We often succumb to the squeaky wheel gets the oil mentality. In other words, we tend to pay attention to what seems urgent in the moment rather than paying attention to what's actually important. I know as a young mom, and it's probably happened more times than I'd like to admit, I'd be paying more attention to the chores that needed to be done around the house or prepping my lesson plans for the next day or watching, maybe even being distracted by a favorite TV show and probably a lot of quote-unquote other urgent things. I was paying attention to all these things instead of giving toddler Bethany or toddler Jacob the attention they needed. So as toddlers do, they figure out a way to gain your attention. So then there'd be a meltdown. Now they had my attention. But if I had been better about prioritizing them rather than all these other things, the tantrums may be avoided altogether. And I was thinking about it too. I can't even imagine how much harder it is for parents now. When we were raising toddlers, things were a lot different. We didn't have cell phones and there was definitely not Facebook and all the social media outlets and just the constant input and distractions. So... I can't imagine how much more intentional parents have to be today to send the message to their children that they are what's important. Yeah, and I think as Christians, we fall into complacency as well. When things are going well, we focus on what we're doing, our daily activities, and just living life. And then when things are going rough, then we 
start looking to God and become more intentional about prayer and reading and spending time with the Lord. And we see this all throughout the Old Testament where the people of Israel would would have a king and the king would be faithful to the Lord and the people of Israel would prosper and then there would be a new king who would turn his back on the Lord and the people of Israel would follow that king and bad things would happen and then the people would repent and there'd be a new king and they turn their hearts back to the Lord and so it was just cyclical and and we can be that same way as Christians not spend time in prayer and praise when things are going well but really only turn towards God when he's needed and we really need to be more intentional and have him be the center of our lives all the time cuz he is needed all the time that is the truth yeah so anyway i think we could give a lot of examples of when things are going smoothly we're not paying attention to things as we should and we become complacent But I see this in myself as an athlete, and I also see it very often in our athletes, that this is true. I know a couple of weeks ago, we interviewed Craig Pfeiffer, the CEO of RPI. And one thing we discussed is that injury prevention should be our primary goal. And we discussed the old adage of an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure, and that's just so true. Yet, as endurance athletes, and myself included, many of us become complacent in regards to injury prevention until it's too late. So in the past, I'd wait until I was sidelined. I would go see Craig. He'd help me. Like He'd figure out what was the underlying cause. We would address the issue. He would do things in the office that would help. He would assign me homework, such as stretches, strength training, mobility exercises, and I'm so diligent in all the things when I'm sidelined and not able to bike or swim or run for some reason. Me too. So I would be just highly motivated because my goal was to return to training. Once well and active again, I forgot about all that underlying work that got me to the point that I was able to run healthy or bike healthy or swim healthy again. So the cycle unfolded, get sidelined, go to Craig, do all the things, back in the game, forget all the things that I did to stay healthy, rinse, repeat. So I think it's a good thing for maybe us to talk about what we need to be mindful of and make sure we don't become complacent in because I think our athletes, and myself included, we are awesome about doing the assigned workouts that are set up in training peaks, but there's so much more we need to pay attention to, especially when we're healthy, so that we stay healthy. Yes, we have to stay healthy in order to maintain that consistency and then see that progress over time. So as we're thinking about the things we need to be consistent with, you mentioned the workouts, that's obvious, but one of the things that we uh, we need to be doing is the foam rolling, and foam rolling provides a lot of benefits. It helps loosen tight muscles. It helps work out soreness from a hard workout. And it's a great way with no impact to improve your fitness and ward off injuries. But the key to starting foam rolling is to understand where you're at and start off with a softer roller because it can be really painful when you first start foam rolling. But if you stick with it, you're going to see some benefits and you're going to toughen up or loosen up however you want to say it and be able to 
progress to more dense foam rollers. And, and I was looking the other day, it may have been in Runner's World, there was an advertisement for a foam roller that collapses to lay flat. Are we back to your Christmas list? That might be on my Christmas <laughs> list. But I remember we talked about this in a previous podcast. We went to Atlanta a few months ago and forgot to bring the foam roller. And I was sore for a few days afterwards. But it'd be nice to have a, a flat foam roller that maybe we just keep in the suitcase until we travel. But uh, start off with a, a soft foam roller until your body adapts. And then it's just worth all the time and the effort and the mild discomfort to devote to that. It'll pay dividends if you stick with it. Yeah. <laughs> My philosophy is just start with that hard foam roller and iron out those kinks. But just like Craig said, <laughs> you have like superhuman pain tolerance. Yeah. When I use those real foamy foam rollers, I just feel like I'm lying on a pillow or something. Mm-hmm. So... Anyway, whatever foam roller you feel like is ironing out the kinks, start there. And for most people, that seems to be a soft one. That's a good place to start. <laughs> so, also, I think something that I think really helps to prevent injury and keep us in the game is to concentrate on mobility exercises in some specific areas. And one area that we like to focus on is preventing plantar fasciitis so if you can take a a golf ball or a tennis ball or i know you you even own some kind of special ball that's just for this but just roll it from the ball of your foot back to your heel kind of on the inner portion of your arch the bottom of your foot i have made that a a routine part of my daily exercising and i think it's helped yeah that's good so a couple of other Areas that we like our athletes to work on are kind of the mid and upper back. And so doing just, and you have to be careful with these. You need to make sure that a physical therapist or someone prescribes these in a way that you don't hurt yourself. But some upper body mobility exercises to keep your mid and shoulder blade area. So are you talking about rotation exercises? Yes, but they need to be done extremely carefully. Like for me, Craig has me get on my hands and knees and I'm actually up against the wall or couch so that I don't misalign things. And then I just gently turn and look over my shoulder. And when I'm feeling loose enough, I'll extend an arm back as well. But just some mobility exercises to keep the mid and upper back mobile while you're exercising. But then probably even more importantly, especially for biking and running, is really working on mobility exercises in the hip area. And there's a lot of different ways to lunge. And I think a lot of lunges help. A lot of di- a variety of lunges help. I know Craig mentioned the side lunge, the lateral lunges. One of my favorite is actually... And I, I have to do this on a like a hardwood floor in a sock foot. But I like to do one-legged squats. And the leg that's not bearing the weight of lifting and lowering, I like to think of myself on the face of a clock. I'll have that leg stay straight and I'll have it slide toward the two on the clock and then slide toward the five on the clock and just have it slide in different directions so that while I'm 
getting that up and down motion with the leg bearing weight. I'm getting a lot of lateral motion with my other leg as I'm lifting and lowering. So I think that's a great mobility exercise. There's probably some fancy word for that type of one single leg squat that... I'm sure there is. I don't know what it is. So those are the areas I like to specifically concentrate with mobility is the sole of the foot, the back, and the hips. Yeah, and using a TheraBand, you can do some of those mobility exercises too. Right. So another area of importance to build into your routine is to work on flexibility. And I know as an aging athlete, and I guess we're all aging, but some of us, the aging process is more obvious, but I've experienced firsthand that my flexibility has been declining. And so I've had to work on that. And it seems like my stride length has shortened over the last few years. So for me to run faster, I've noticed that my cadence is increasing. My number of strides is increasing. My legs are moving faster rather than my legs being more powerful and getting more distance on the strides. We never want to overstride, but if I can improve my flexibility, if you can improve your flexibility, then you'll be able to get more distance on your stride without overstriding. And it's kind of like free speed. So my other option for going faster is to just turn the legs over faster, but it's a much bigger bang for the buck if I can improve my flexibility. Now, there's a lot of debate on when you should do your flexibility exercises. And what's worked best for me is to do some dynamic exercises to loosen up the body and then do some light stretching and then do my workout and then follow that up with some additional light stretching afterwards. Now, if you're injured, you can still include flexibility work, but it's still a good idea to do some kind of dynamic warm-up, whether that's going for a walk or a short spin on the bike. Do something to prepare your body to stretch out those muscles. But flexibility is a a key to long-term health. Yeah, you're talking about when to stretch the muscles. And I think when you're young, you can probably get away with stretching your muscles when they're colder. But I know personally it doesn't work well for me to get my muscles all elongated and then go out for a run. It works way better for me to do any kind of flexibility work after a run, after my muscles are warm. And I'd read somewhere recently, I don't even know where I was reading, but talking about the more dynamic warming up of walking. And uh, the quote was, motion is lotion. (laughs) Yeah, that's good. I've got a friend whose name is Jimmy. We used to get together, me and him and a group of half a dozen other guys. And Jimmy's about 10 years older than I am. And I just remember him complaining on some of the runs, saying that you guys take off so fast on your runs and it it takes me a while to get warmed up because I'm older than you all. And I'm starting to feel that for myself. takes a little while to warm up. Yeah, I usually feel like I'm ready to go after about three miles. So I like to do at least three miles easy, 30 minutes easy before I get into any kind of VO2 max training. Yeah. So I guess the point around flexibility is is find out what works best for you 
as far as timing, but it's very important. Yep. Another thing we can become complacent about when all is going well is strength training. And I think strength training needs to be incorporated into triathlon and endurance running carefully. You don't want to enter into a 16-week build toward a huge event such as an Ironman or half Ironman or marathon and at the same time start increasing your strength training. But having said that, it is important to incorporate strength training and to incorporate it at the right time in your training cycles. But strength training is another low-impact way to become more fit and to stay healthy. The key to strength training is definitely make sure you have good form. And we always recommend that you start the exercises just by bearing your body weight. And as you become comfortable with the movements and your form becomes good and your body's getting stronger, then you can start slowly layering in weights as a component of the strength training. But it should never feel overwhelming. It should just be, especially if you're an endurance athlete, this is just something you're doing, building over time, and you don't want to feel shredded after a strength training session. Honestly, your toughest effort should be on your sport-specific workout. Yeah, I agree. And we'll have athletes comment a lot of times, well, I did that strength circuit, but it was super easy. That's what we want. We want, we want to be very specific on what those strength training exercises are, and it doesn't shred them so they can go out and do their bike workout well or their run workout well or their swim workout well but they're still doing the strength training and getting those benefits yeah and the strength training may be focusing on some of the muscles that are not as heavily used in your sport but trying to maintain balance in your muscle fitness is important for keeping you healthy yes and i know with me i tend to overwork my hamstrings because they compensate for my quad. So for me specifically, I'm an athlete who has to focus on strength training for my quad so that my quads and hamstrings balance each other out in my cycling and running efforts. And we have athletes that are just the opposite. Their quads are really strong and we have to work on helping them engage and build the hamstrings or A hugely underutilized muscle, especially for runners, are the glutes. We have a lot of athletes that when we first start coaching them, their glutes aren't working for them at all. And so we really try to incorporate strength training that will get all those muscles working together. Yes, we do. So another area to focus on all the time, not just when you're on the sideline, is making sure you get an appropriate amount of sleep. And that may differ from person to person, but it's a good idea to try to get eight hours of sleep because recovery is as important as any training, any hard workouts that you do. Your body needs downtime to repair and rebuild after a hard workout. And while we sleep, our brain is preparing for tomorrow's challenges and our muscles and our bones are rebuilding and our immune systems are recharging. And it's so easy to cut time out of your sleep in order to enjoy a movie or get up and get in an extra workout. But you may get more benefit by taking the appropriate amount of time to sleep. Getting the right amount of sleep is really a priority issue. It's so important to 
develop a routine of going to bed and getting up so that you can get the right amount of sleep the majority of nights. We always say that the key to improving is being patient and consistent and getting adequate sleep is vital to your long-term fitness. So if you have life circumstances that cause you to miss your normal amount of sleep, discuss it with your coach or look at your training plan and figure out if it makes sense to modify your schedule. You don't want to do some killer workouts when you haven't had adequate sleep. And if you're injured, it's easy to fall into a habit of sleeping more. And more is good to a certain point, but you sleep too much, you wake up groggy. It's just great to try to stick to a a normal sleep routine, especially if you're already getting eight hours. There are different types of sleep. You've probably heard of REM sleep, and I wasn't sure what this stood for, so I I looked it up. (laughs) Rapid eye movement. Everybody in the world may have known that besides me. He seriously, at Sunday lunch, was talking about this, and we were all looking at him like, (laughs) really? So just imagine you're asleep, and your eyes are just going crazy inside your eyelids while you're sleeping. Apparently, that's when you do your most dreaming. So the different stages of sleep. When we first go to sleep, our heart rate slows, and our body temperature starts to drop. Then the best sleep we have is called the deep sleep, and we get very relaxed. Our blood pressure and breathing decreases. And then we have our REM sleep, where our eyelids are moving rapidly, and our brains become very active, as active as if we were still awake. And that's when we get lost in our dreams. And throughout a night, you're going to go from one stage to another stage multiple times. I know I wear my Garmin watch pretty much all the time, and so it's monitoring my heart rate and my arm movement while I'm sleeping. So it gives me an estimate of how much deep sleep and how much REM and how much total sleep I'm getting. But the ideal for your deep sleep is to try to get an hour or two. I know my sleeping habits, I get at least eight hours of sleep, but I need to come up with some ways to get more deep sleep. So here's some suggestions on increasing that. I'm going to be working on some of these myself. Uh, We've already talked about putting yourself on a bedtime schedule where you go to sleep at a certain time and you wake up at a certain time. You're building in consistency so your body knows what to expect. And then as endurance athletes, we're likely getting plenty of exercise, but having an exercise routine, consistent exercise is key for quality sleep. Avoiding caffeine especially in the evenings, and we recommend lots of water. And then do something relaxing before bed that doesn't involve technology, such as reading a book, reading your Bible is a great idea, or taking a bath. And I think, Paula, if you would give me a back massage before I fell asleep every night. (laughs) This is where this is going. I think I'd sleep a lot better. I guess that's a step better than a foot massage. That would work, too. (laughs) Let's start with the back. Okay. 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 (laughs) I think for some people, it's not possible to have a regular sleep schedule. I know my brother works a swing shift, so he has to figure out what's going to work cyclically. But uh, That would be so hard. I don't know that I could adjust to that schedule. Right. Yeah. So, and I also, 
I think sleep is just easier for some people than others. I know for you, we'll lay down to go to sleep at night and mid-sentence you can be asleep. And I might lay there for 45 minutes or so with my thoughts just rolling around in my head. So sometimes it takes me a long time to fall asleep. Now, of course, when we first got married, I was a night owl. Yes, you were. You were a morning person and you're like, well, it's dark outside, time to go to bed. And I'm thinking... (laughs) talking about the evenings yet yet young kind of had to work on that and I didn't become a endurance athlete until in my 40s but once I started meeting people at five in the morning to go swim bike or run it became a little bit easier to start going to bed earlier so I feel like I've kind of tried to force myself into being a morning person and I do enjoy mornings most most people are asleep mm-hmm. Last night was an unusual night. I got up to go to the bathroom and I came back to the bed and you were laying on my side of the bed. <laughs> That's because I couldn't sleep. I was just trying to annoy you. You scooted over a little bit and it's dark and I tried to get in the bed and we banged our heads together. Yeah, that was nice. <laughs> <laughs> and then I fell asleep. And maybe t- maybe <laughs> maybe TMI for the podcast. <laughs> That's okay. We're all friends here. Oh, yeah. And, of course, we have a couple of athletes that have babies and toddlers. So just know that those sleep interruptions are temporary. And if you need to miss a workout because you decided to rock a baby last night, then your priorities are in the right place. We can make adjustments. That's right. Being a parent is a huge responsibility. I know you and I, which you were an athlete, and it ain't an endurance athlete when our kids were young, but we worked it out in such a way that they were always the priority. You can have young kids and be an athlete, but just always keep the main thing the main thing and the hobby the hobby. Definitely. So we've talked a lot about what we should be doing all the time, you know, getting sleep, working on strength and mobility and flexibility and foam rolling. But how do we make this a habit? You know, like Paula was saying in the beginning, it's easy to commit to doing things when we're benched due to an injury, but wouldn't it be so much better to build a habit of proactively doing these things to reduce the likelihood of ending up injured? I know just this past week, I attended a meeting hosted by a software consultancy company that I occasionally work with called Centair, and the meeting was a book review of Atomic Habits written by James Clear in, in the book, James says that tiny changes yield remarkable results. And he also says there's a tipping point where something small turns into something big. For example, one degree difference in temperature can make a difference on whether water is a solid or a liquid. That's a big change. And at some point, one penny changes a person from not being rich to being rich. So from James Clear's book, Atomic Habits, Here's some of the key points on making those habits that make a big difference. So make your habit obvious. Set a time and a location and be consistent. Make it visible. For example, maybe you put your foam roller on top of your bed after you make it. This way you'll see it and have to pick it up before pulling back the covers at night. Another point is make your habit attractive. Associate the habit with something else you like to do. For example, Commit to doing your conditioning when you first turn on the television. 
Another point is to make your habit easy at the start. You know, start small until the habit is formed, and then you can increase it if necessary. Like we were talking about with the foam roller, start with something you can manage and then increase that. And we're at the beginning of the year. Often at the beginning of a year, people set really hard expectations as resolutions, and they never really become a habit. And the fourth point from the book was make your habit satisfying. And one way to do that is to track your progress. For our athletes, we load these extra workouts into training peaks and we follow up if they aren't marked complete. And it's really hard to not ever miss a day. So the author suggests never miss twice. And I think that's a pretty good motto. Never miss twice. If you can commit to never missing twice in a row, you're on your way to building a positive behavior. And then if you're tracking your progress, take satisfaction in increasing the number of weeks you can stick with this habit. Work towards a month, work towards three months, six months, a year, and so on. A lot of people say it takes three weeks to form a habit. Three weeks isn't that long. Give it a try. Work on the fundamentals to keep you healthy so you can continue to train and improve. We always talk about patience and consistency. I don't know how many times I've said that in this podcast alone, but consistency relies on staying healthy. And these are some of the keys to doing that. Another thing I think it's easy to become complacent about is nutrition. We've talked about a whole lot of things today. We've talked about strength and flexibility and mobility. We've talked about sleep. And we've done a whole podcast on nutrition. But that's another thing. When things seem to be going well, we forget that fueling our body is so fundamentally important to everything we do. So just kind of wanted to throw that reminder in there. And then finally, I think we even become complacent in proper training cycles. And I fell into this knowing better. I fell into this at the end of 2019. In July of 2019, I had PR'd a marathon and I went straight from that to training for and did a half marathon And that went so well that a few weeks later, I just kept pushing hard and trained hard and got my all-time best half marathon time. And things seemed to be going great. But really what I should have done after that marathon training block, I should have listened to my coach and I should have backed off and done a recovery training cycle rather than jumping right back into those half marathon training. So... I think that's another thing is everything was going so well, I became even complacent about making sure I was using proper or following proper periodization within my training. So it's very easy to become complacent, and it's just also so important that we don't. I agree. So when I think about the word complacency, I think about diligence. Just the opposite. Being the opposite of that. And so instead of thinking about complacency and what we shouldn't do. Maybe we should think about diligence and what we should do. And that leads us to our scripture for today, Hebrews 6, 10 through 12. You want to share what that says? Sure. God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help them. We want each of you to show this same diligence to the very end so that what you hope for may be fully realized. We do not want you to become lazy, 
but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. So I think what God is saying here in Hebrews is that we need to love one another. We need to be diligent to follow God's plan for our lives. We need to avoid getting lazy, especially when things are going well. And we need to be anticipating inheriting all of God's promises. Do you have anything to add to that? It's awesome. I like it. All right. Let's make some new routines, new habits. Let's stay healthy. Let's stay focused. Let's be patient and consistent. And speaking of consistent, <laughs> you beat me at Skip Bow tonight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that I did. <laughs> we'll talk to you next time. At RYR Endurance Team, we specialize in customized coaching. What is customized coaching? It's more than a training plan. It's a relationship. It's a partnership. So what are your goals? What are you training for? Contact us at ryrcoach at gmail.com or visit us on our website, ryrenduranceteam.com. Hey, if you enjoy our podcast, please do us a favor. Give us a five-star review and subscribe to our podcast. This helps others find us. Thanks for listening.